Hello, welcome to From the Rookery End. My name is John. With me is Mike. Hi, nice. Hi, <laughs> mate. And Geordie. Hello. I thought you were going to say it in Spanish. Or, uh, or in a Geordie accent, but... Oh, yeah, good, good, very good. We are Watford fans, uh, season ticket holders, and we're outside Vicarage after a Watford nil, Liverpool one. What do you make of that one then, Mike? A broad question, sorry, but what do you make of that? I don't know what to 100% make of it, really. Very, very difficult to take much away from that. On one hand, I think I feel disappointed because I think Liverpool were there, um, I think with a little bit more get-up-and-go, a bit of verve, we might have been able to, to do something. I, th- I thought Liverpool were quiet before the, before the goal. Um, I thought we probably wasted our best little... We didn't, when we did get some momentum, we didn't make the most of it. But overall, I think... These are the nights. It's a night. It's a night game under lights. You need that sort of cup tie atmosphere um, to, to to spur the team on against a team like Liverpool, and I think we didn't get that. And it, we could tell early on. I think Niang had the chance very, very early on. It looked like he would got to the ball just ahead of I don't know which defender it was. One of the centre backs. It looked like he just got there ahead, but he didn't. He, he sort of didn't go that extra sort of millimeter of or uh, of effort or or speed, whatever. And he and he did the same late on in the game, and he just felt that was the difference. There was that little bit of there wasn't anything there really to get the crowd going, and the, and the players didn't really spark. I know that's not how Watford play. Um, and I just no, we have we have had many uh, several occasions this season where we've gone for it in the first fifteen minutes. Yeah, early on, um, but I think today the game plan was very clear: contain Liverpool, don't don't go behind, don't lo- don't lose the game. Uh, but then after going behind, you need to you need to see a change. And I thought actually, defensively, Watford looked relatively sound. And as the second half went on, to give them credit, they did grow into the game. And they, whilst they didn't really necessarily build up enough momentum and have enough chances to say that you probably they warranted a draw. Although obviously crossbar and great save from 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 Capu that was was given as a uh, goal kick instead of a corner. Um, so those were two good chances. Whether they had enough to say we deserved a draw, I don't know. But they did get better in the second half. Without you know, Liverpool sort of shut up shop, I suppose, and weren't really going for it. They they weren't massively impressive from an attacking point of view. But I just find it frustrating. I think we've left it out there again. We've left an opportunity out there, and we 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 could have done better. And I just wonder. Overall, you asked a general question, so I'm going to leave it with a general sort of uh, uh, summing up. Do we need better players, or do we need a better head coach? We'll get onto that one later on. Uh, also, we'll get back onto the officiating yeah. uh, as well. Uh, Geordie, uh, when I saw the starting 11, and I thought, is it four, is it three, is it four, is it three? And I thought, if I asked you which one it was, you go, well, it's all fluid, because that's what you, you like to say. Anything sort of really make you go, this is going to be a better team, uh, hopefully could do something against Liverpool? Um, no, because kind of to Mike's point about us having, you know, this is a game we could have gone for, we could have done something, I think. The lack of Holobas, now that gap needed to be filled, and that meant Yamak going across there, which meant then Amrabat playing at right wing back, which he's not a right wing back. And I guess my starting point would have been then we don't play with three at the back. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's 22,000 opinions in there, <laughs> and probably a lot more on social media. I'm not going to, you know, we've played that formation for large parts of the season. I don't like it particularly, but it's the one that the manager chooses. We've done with. recently, though. No, we haven't done recently, but then. But then we kind of had that kind of space between Mariapa and Amrabat, which is, I kind of felt was our weak point, if you like. And it's where the goal came from. And I don't think it's just necessarily where the goal was scored from. I don't think it's necessarily that's the reason it came from there. But I think that was just, you know, if, if we'd had our fit players, we would have said, right, Amrabat, you, you push James Milner back and give him, make him feel every one of his days. You know, but instead... It was Amrabat kind of like, do I go forward, do I not? You know, Caput. It was, it was almost like before we had Dukure in the team. 
when, when, where Kapu wasn't sure where he should be and ended up not being anywhere. Amrabat kind of not being, not sure what he should do. And I think it's all because we had that imbalance. And so I guess if he had his time again, Walter might say, let's not do it. But then again, he might say it, it worked. It was a wonder goal. And we kept him, at, even at that wonder goal, with all their great attacking players, because they brought Lallana on. I mean, I've got, I've got, I've got a, a, it was a great goal, it was a great finish, but I think there's two things that really bugged me about tonight. One of them was the goal. How much space did Lucas have to, to ping that ball? He could have taken all his clothes off, twi twiddled around, <laughs> got dressed again, and then still had time to pick out someone. Um, so that's frustrating. Far, far too much time. It looked like Watford, like everyone else in the ground, were thinking, decent, we've got into half time, and, we can, and then we can see if we can pick him off in, it, in the second half. And I'm sorry, but Amrabat was completely out of shape for, for, for Chan's effort. And yes, we know he's not a, he's not a right back, he's not a, he's not a wing back, but he would got absolutely nowhere near even making enough of a nuisance of himself to stop. Great goal from Chan, absolutely superb. Um, but that was really, really irritating. It struck me, it's like that third, third goal against Arsenal. It's just like their minds were elsewhere. Totally avoidable. Just shut Lucas down. Amrabat, do something. Even if you don't want to see him foul, but get... Don't, it was just I just thought it was poor all round and then when we did in the second half when we were sort of at least knocking on the door a little bit we got a free kick in an, in a, in an attacking op, in a, in attacking area we're offside from the free kick this is a set play you don't need to be offside from a set play so when you're going to have a paucity of, of, of attacking options and when you're going to try and live off scraps in effect to be offside from a free kick is it's just it smacks of sort of just carelessness and they're, they're two things that you can't if you're going to play like Watford play you can't get those two things wrong you can't switch off and you can't be wasteful when it comes to uh, to free kicks and dead ball situations uh, let's go to the uh, officiating um, wasn't the best I've, I've seen better would you say Jordy for, for a game that had no real difficult decisions to make other than those that are difficult to make because it's a Premier League game and it's fast and you know there's lots of things happening there's lots of men bumping into each other and stuff some bizarre offsides which I've had people telling me who watch it on TV that it just and seen people post it weren't offside, didn't look offside. Saves uh, <laughs> where where the balls changed direction, where not given, and and then uh, Kapoo booked. Yeah, that's the referee being taken for immediate eye surgery. I think Kapoo uh, being booked for telling the referee he got it wrong. But then, absolutely. So, okay, played by the letter of the law. Every time the ball went out of play, Liverpool player picked it up and ran away with it or threw it somewhere. It, no, that's okay. Yeah. No, no need, to, no need to be pedantic about some rules, only other rules. The ball hitting the referee while he's standing on the pitch. Yeah. Him panicking because it maybe Watford might have had an attack off the back that he wouldn't have been able to blow offside incorrectly against. <laughs> Immediately then giving it for, a, for... I mean, that's the kind of stuff. While Jamie Carragher's probably kind of getting a sponsorship off Kleenex for rewinding um, you know, and slow-mowing Chan's goal, which it deserves to be done, um, I, I wonder whether Sky will even even mentioned officiating because it's just not it's a small team in the Premier League and the, the one that, and again um, the one that bugged me and perhaps more than any of those sort of you know they're, they're frustrating and then they accumulate and they, they they add to an irritating evening but so in the first half Emre Chan goes down um, blatant dive and he's called up on it free kick given the other way no card Lucas does exactly the same thing over the other side on the right on the right flank called up on it booked now you either, I, I don't know, is the honest answer. And I do, I meant to look it up while I was, I was in the ground. But is it down to the referee's discretion that it's a, is a diver booking? It can't, I think probably the excuse would probably be, be game management. You have to manage the game, early parts of the game, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the Chan one was a dive, yeah. which he didn't give. Amrabat then dawdled on the ball and gave away a corner. So he wasn't, it wasn't a free kick given. Referee played on for the Chan one, 
And then Amrabat kind of was like, oh, I'll let it go out. It's not going to go out. I'll just, he'll give us a free kick for that blatant dive because that's the rules. Yeah. And then he gave a free kick. And then, well, then the linesman gave a corner from the other side. So the linesman who can't see and offside <laughs> can see through goalposts. So, 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 you know, fair play to him. Yeah. Oh, oh, so is that then? We, we had a good rant against referees for ages on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, that, that, <laughs> it, they, I think what that does is that shows how sort of the frustrations simmer under on a night like that. I just, um, I just think we could have got more out of it. And I think Watford are a slow, methodical. Um, they manage games. They then then they were never out of the game tonight. They were never sort of Liverpool were never buckling under pressure. But Watford were never out of it. And as we saw at the end, we we almost nicked a point with. Uh, and I made a quick note. So perhaps Pereira will think he should have done better. He actually did really well to get. He had to angle his body and to get that yeah, shot yeah. off with the with the ferocity behind it. It was it was a, it was a superb effort from uh, Big Seb. But he definitely hard to hard about it because he was stood in the middle of that centre uh, centre circle for ages with his hand on his hip and his yeah. hands on his hips. Yeah, well, he did look good with his hands on his hips, uh, <laughs> dripping, dripping, dripping with sweat with oh, the uh, arc in his body for you. Yeah, the floodlights glinting on the. Oh, it's, it's, it's quite a sight. But I think there's going to be there's going to be two pretty clear camps after this. There's going to be those who feel that once we went behind, Matsari didn't have the ability to change it up, didn't have the ability to really kick on. And then there's the other side who are slightly more pragmatic, and I'm not saying either are wrong. That Watford built into the game, they were never out of it, and they almost nicked it at the end, and never looked like like winning. I think the big overarching concern is on a regular basis: if we go behind, can Watford switch it up? That's the, that's the question mark for me. Tonight, it didn't really look like it, as far as I'm concerned. It sort of it felt like it was petering out. But I guess if you're a bit more analytical, all, was it almost the perfect performance? If we'd have nicked a draw at the end, would that almost have been the perfect performance? I don't know. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. OK, let's have another round of this. Hello, welcome to another Going for Golden, your chance to show off your amazing Watford FC knowledge. Remember, you can buzz in whenever you like by pressing the pause button on the device that you're listening to. And if you're right, you gain the last score that you heard. And if you're wrong, you can continue, but your score won't count. We've got five clues, and with each, you should find it easier to guess who I'm talking about this week. So let's play. For five points. Still under the age of 30. I played 154 times for Watford, but never scored. For four points. I left to play for my boyhood club. Three points. I played under A.D. Boothroyd, Malky Mackay, Brendan Rodgers, but lost my place under Sean Dyche. For two points. I had an England call-up and played 14 times for the England under-21s. And for a single point. I made my first team debut in 2008 when I replaced Mark Poom in the fourth minute of a match v Reading. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. The British Podcasting Awards were handed out uh, on Saturday. We weren't nominated, were you, Mike? We weren't, no. I think there was obviously an oversight by the judging committee. I don't know whether they... Uh... Well, I think what we can do is we can blame uh, Kike, because he was on the entry. Yeah. And uh, maybe they, they, you know, they, they thought, well, what do you want a, an ex for manager on your podcast entry? Yeah, well, either him or Arlo, because there, there was a clip of Arlo on there. <laughs> so I'll, uh, I'll be talking to my boy when we get in. But no, we weren't, we weren't nominated, but... 
that doesn't mean there wasn't Watford representation, does it? There was Hornet Heaven was there, rightfully so. I've championed Hornet Heaven throughout uh, throughout the season because I, I know you won't do it because those who aren't aware, John produces it. But it is great if you haven't listened uh, and you're bored of this already, give that a listen instead because it's, uh, <laughs> it's really good. It was a prestigious award, lots of heavy hitters there, Kermit and Mayo, Film Review, Empire, all that sort of stuff. It was the creme, uh, creme de la creme, creme de la crop. Uh, so it was on Saturday night, Ollie Wicken, Colin Mason and myself were there uh, and we, uh, this is what happened on the night. So we're here at the uh, British Podcast Awards. What's it called, Colin? The Poddies. The Poddies. So we hope we were in a poddy later with uh, with Colin, uh, the voice of Haunted Heaven, and uh, Ollie. Uh, Ollie, you right? Yes, very, very good. Yeah. Nervous. Okay. <laughs> so we're in a water ceremony, and uh, if you were to, we'll find out. We'll talk to you later on about how we did and whatever happened. Um, but if you were going to give an award out to a Watford player, who would you give an award to? Ollie, who would you give an award to? Well, it would be for Sebastian Prodo uh, for his empathy with puppies uh, online in photographs. Well, I think, he'd have, I think any, any mammal, I think he'd be happy with any sort of empathy. <laughs> and, and, and any furry mammal, at least. But I think anything with big eyes gets him going. <laughs> this is just so wrong. Yeah. Uh, Colin, is there anyone you want to give an award to? Oh, I'm definitely giving um, an award to, I believe his name is Jose Holabas, although we call him in our family Charles, because he um, he spells his name on his shirt C-H-O-L-B-A-S. Yeah. But in the programme he's spelled H-O-L-B-A-B-A-S. So I don't know where the diversion of how he spells his own name, which is what he's got on his shirt, and how the club spell his name, but either way, he should win an award just for being himself. What, what, what quality in particular do you think is worthy of an award, though? I think he should win the 2017 Irascibility Award <laughs> for his attitude towards everyone else in the whole world. But I love him to bits because he cares. He definitely cares. And whether he cares about Watford FC or what he cares about most is winning. And if you're a fan, you want to see players who care about winning, whether well, they're there for a season or whether they're there for 10 years. What I like about Jose is that he wears his heart on his sleeve, which is difficult for most players because they wear short sleeves. <laughs> but he has a tattoo sleeve. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly where he wears his heart. <laughs> and what does it say on his back? Trust no one or something, doesn't it? It's trust nobody. Okay. <laughs> we will see if we get to win our award and uh, we'll have a fade out of atmosphere and a fade in and we'll talk to you after the award ceremony. So, uh, we're, the, the poddy, how do we do in the poddies then, Ooh, we, Colin? We got a silver. Yeah. Yeah. Second out of five, it was like, eight, it was like 82, 83 all over again. <laughs> Second to Liverpool. Or as you said... 14, 15, the, yeah, yeah. Sorry. But it's been a great little ride we've been on so far for, for Hornet Heaven. Yeah, it's been amazing really. I it's a little bit surreal. Ollie, uh, Ollie who, who wrote these brilliant stories, had this brilliant idea, put them together and it sort of snowballed really quickly over the past, what, six months or so? And so to be recognised by the podcast awards, have people listen to it and, uh, and spread the Watford love, it's been great. Yeah, it's been really good. Hey, Watford might be the 10th best team in uh, the Premier League, but we're the second best podcast, sporting in the podcast in the UK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are we the 10th best team in the, in the UK? I suppose well, roughly. 13th at the moment. Yeah. It might be 9th. <laughs> From the rookery end. So, Mike, we did a, a you did a, you set it up, I think, um, a Twitter poll yep. on our Twitter handle at Watford Podcast. Uh, what do you want from your Watford watching experience? And it was, it was what, what spurred you? Anything particular? 
I was just trying to get a handle of, uh, of how people felt and try and get people, try and boil it down to, to one, a, like a pithy word or, or sentence. I'm just trying to get a feel, a sense check of what people expect when they rock up at Vicarage Road at either five to three or they come to the town centre at, at one o'clock in the afternoon. What do you expect when you're getting up in the morning, getting your, getting your scarf on and heading off to Vicarage Road? I just, what, what inspires you? What do you expect to get from it? The four options were time with your mates, uh, I'm all about results, uh, cut run and a few big wins and attractive football. Yeah. The winner, which was I was quite surprised at, Geordie, being a, a Watford fan of 30 years now, was attractive football got 40%. Yeah, I mean, why you go to football is to watch good football, I, I suppose. You know, time with your mates, you don't need to go to Watford for that. Uh, what are the other options? Cut run, yeah, well that, and a few big wins, but that's kind of a small club mentality a little bit. Uh, all about results. I think probably that being wins, uh, ideally. Uh, but if they if they're, if they're boring kind of Pulisesque type type fodder, then people probably wouldn't want it. You just want to see some good football. You want to see some goals. Probably want to see a bit of like you know the Jakanovic, uh, you know, towards the end of that season, kind of something to go for. But we don't have promotion anymore. Uh, we don't have the excitement of the playoffs. We don't have like a, an Easter weekend with two games where it's really going to shape our season. We don't get that anymore. We get one game maybe on a Monday, uh, Monday night, under the lights for, for Sky. That's the reality. So when you do get it, you, I guess you want to see some, some, some good stuff on the pitch. I was, I was surprised too, but I think a lot of people did qualify their, their vote for that by saying attractive football, and they, say, they said entertaining football would have been a, a, better, a better phrase than that. And I, and I think I accept that. And, and, and plenty of people responded on Twitter saying, when I say entertaining, I don't mean end-to-end 4-3. I don't mean us going to win every game 3-4-0. I mean, it could be us battling back to, to win a game that we looked out of. It could, um, you know, I don't think people are worried about, the, some, about attritional games um, as long as there's sort of some, I don't know, it might be... Uh, effort, a change in tactics, a substitution that changes the game. So I kind of understand it, and and I'm and I'm with people on that. I think if you you want to go, sometimes this year you've sat there watching Watford and your mind's drifted. I think because there's been large swathes of play where nothing have happened. Watford have got the ball and they pass it around quite nicely. As that was happening a bit tonight, the game did drift a little bit tonight. I did think, well, actually, you know, it's quite the nuances in football are quite quite delicate and quite they're not necessarily always obvious from the from the stands especially when you the adrenaline's pumping you want to beat Liverpool you might have had a few beers you might this that and the other I don't think as a football supporter you're necessarily in the best place when you're in the ground to judge what's going on so I totally understand that entertaining football but I I wonder whether I wonder whether we're actually seeing something that's quite nuanced something that's quite cute that isn't quite working yet but given a little bit of time, perhaps some better players. I mean, I thought Amrabat struggled again tonight. I think where there's one little cute ball inside where he changed the direction, which was, was quite a nice little ball. It showed a little bit of common sense and footballing now from him. But I think perhaps Watford are being let down a little bit by, by some of the squad members. We've spoken to um, a couple of journalists. We've been lucky enough to speak to Mike Walters from The Mirror and, uh, and Simon Burton from The Guardian and the uh, Football Weekly podcast, one of our podcasting brothers. Almost as good as from the rookery end. I'm sure Simon would... Uh, uh, would admit, but what, but what both those guys uh, said in our chats, and you can hear those next week, is that they think Watford need wholesale changes throughout the throughout the spine of the team. And you'll hear uh, Mike and Simon go into sort of various degrees of depth as to where you think those changes are. But I'm quite protective of Watford. I always, when I see my t- my men in yellow out there, I always want to think the best of them, and I'm quite protective of them. And but I think perhaps they're right. I think 
we do need some big changes. We need better players who are able to, to perform more consistently and perhaps adjust to this sort of slightly... And it does look attritional, it does look, it can be dull, it can be boring, I said my mind just... But I wonder with some better players whether, whether Matsari is going to do, do a better job. It's, I think it's really finely poised. I think it's really, really interesting at Watford. Uh, like I said earlier, some people will be bored, some people will be up, upset. Other people might be able to see a few green shoots. Um, really, really interesting to see what's going to uh, transpire. Uh, that podcast will be out next weekend. Uh, it's just a special, just going to be uh, me and Mike chatting to see Mike Walter from The Mirror uh, and Simon Burnton from The Guardian. Uh, that will be ready to download uh, next weekend. Jordy, uh, do you think I'm wrong? This, is, is this statement wrong? There are people in the Watford crowd who don't like Walter Mazzari. Uh, no, that's that's probably quite correct. Are you one of those people? No, I'm not. No, I mean, if if, if there was another referendum and, and why not? I'm going to vote Walter in or out. I would I would stick with him. Is there particular? You know, because that's in, for that, you know not a lot of people who are vocally sort of against him, but there are a lot of people who who, who aren't necessarily against him. Well, in particular, what is it you think? he needs to be the man next season well I guess my, the default shouldn't be he ha- we should change I know it's been something that we've kind of got used to at Watford and it's almost like now it's got into some people's psyche that it's now the norm that we change our manager and, and if he doesn't do exactly what we want and if he doesn't make me happy then he should go and I don't know if it's part of a, like a wider societal thing where people feel that if they're not getting what they want uh, in the short term then, then it must all change uh, or it, it just strikes me as odd. Um, Jan Matt had that shot from about 40 yards when he was the last man today. And an adult <laughs> behind me shout, when, when everyone else kind of groaned, and Matt Sorry went bonkers, he went, don't know what you're moaning, Matt, Matt Sorry, he's your player. As if, as if this man now thinks Matt Sorry controls everything that the players do when they're on the They field. think it's FIFA. He's they think Jose, it's FIFA. He's not Jose Mourinho with Luke Shaw, is he? No, <laughs> no so, so I, some people, I think, I just don't understand what they're getting, getting at. And there are other things I can understand why people might not like Muxari. I said I don't like the three at the back, which is his favourite formation. He's changed from it, but he's gone back to it today. I don't like everything. If you're going to find a manager that's going to make every single fan happy, then he's not going to be here for long because someone else will take him, because a bigger club will take him. I don't think, I, I don't think we need to get rid of Walter because he's done, I don't see he's done anything wrong. You know, uh, today's game, let's keep, it, let's keep it tight and then we'll try and, try and hit him on the, on the counter-attack. If we if, if we were given the, the players were distributed randomly, so every squad was equal, then great. Liverpool got like two Brazilian internationals in their striking force. They got an England player coming off the bench to replace him. You know we've got kind of Amrabat playing kind of in a, in a like a plaster at right right wing back. We've got a right fight, right foot player at left wing back. You know we've got Nyang who's either hot or cold, and today was probably a bit cold. It was a bit cold, wasn't it? You know he was cold. Um, he was the only player with pace in the team. But he's the, who who were we going to bring on success? He's already said success can't play for long periods of time. I don't think Walter's done that bad. I think a lot of it stems down to this communication thing. And you can see players shout, you know, on the making hand gesticulating, managers gesticulating on the on the sidelines. Is that because they communicate better through hand gestures across a loud pitch? You know, is that is it that it doesn't matter if he speaks English particularly? All they need to do is basically see get the, get the point he's making. Would we want Harry Redknapp with his kind of slang English trying to tell Holabas and 
you know, Cabaselli, what they should be doing? Is that going to be better communication? Is it that he doesn't come and wave at the fans at the end of the game? Is that suggesting, you know, his passion on the pitch when he's getting, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. He doesn't wave at me. He doesn't recognise me, <laughs> therefore I want him gone. Some of, some of the stuff, I can understand some people, but I think there's a lot of people who, who, who talk a lot of bollocks, basically, about him on social media. Uh, I know that there was a guy in the Hull car park uh, last week, mm. kind of came on the podcast yeah. and kind of said, well, actually in heat at the moment, actually some of the things I said were a little bit. Mm. And I think there's some people who recognise that, and there's some people who, once they get an opinion, a bit like the ones who voted Brexit because they didn't, <laughs> they they didn't like any foreigners, Easy. and they not, you know they didn't understand the issue, and they made a, they made a point, and they spoke in their little bubble, and they kind of reinforced it in the same way there were people who lived in their bubble that were against it. I just I just I just I can understand why people don't like water, but I can't understand some of the reasons that are given. I don't I don't accept some of the reasons that are given, um, and I and listening to people in the crowd shouting at him tells me that a lot of the people who are against him live in this bubble where they shout something because it doesn't get challenged and that's probably a bigger wider societal problem therefore it's okay and it's correct and there's no debate on water you know you can have it you can like him not like him but there is but there has there is no debates there's just people in social media shouting one way or the other or and probably shouting in in the moment and unless unless who are we going to get people say oh mancini okay yeah so the inter, inter milan manager or a man who won the league with man city he's probably itching to manage watford and prove himself at last so he would bring him in is that is that is that a 10 year solution Probably not. Ranieri, so he, so because he did because he won the league last year, is that is that why? And he's Italian. Is that why we're bringing him in? Well, who are we going to get? Diego Simeone? You know, is he going to say, you know, I'm fed up with playing Champions League finals. I want to go and manage Watford. Who are we going to get? That's going to be better than Walter. If you look at his CV, I, I just think give the guy a chance. You know, we've wasted a year if we get rid of him, giving him a chance to get his feet under the table, understand the Premier League. He's building a team. He's bringing in the likes of Decore. He's given some of the younger players a chance. You know, this is he. It's difficult. It's not the teams don't roll over. Where should where should we be in above the, in the top six? Should we be in the top six with the with the teams who who have millions of pounds to spend and and huge stadia and and brand names around the world? Should we be above Everton and Southampton, who are established Premier League teams? Should we be above Stoke and West Brom? That's ten, you know. So where should we, where what what should he be doing better? Results? Well, the results are mid table and we're safe. The style of play that's that's down to individual likes. You know, some people don't like the fact that we kind of stood off Liverpool and then tried to get something at the end and were beaten by one to go and some rather poor officiating on the crossbar. Some people think we should have gone for it from the beginning. That'd be fantastic if we did. But then if we turn around and got hump 4-0 or 6-1, as we have done against Liverpool when we kind of went for it a bit more, is that what people want? You know, every team in this league, whether it's West Ham with uh, Billich, whether it's West Brom now going like record without scoring goals, whether it's kind of Hull until they got silver, whether it's Sunderland all season, everyone's gone who isn't one of the excellent teams, basically isn't Chelsea Spurs, yeah. has had a bad run. Arsenal were going bonkers at Wenger. You know, they want him out. You know, Mourinho was sixth, uh, unbeaten, but didn't move for about four months. You know, this is, this is, this, we're now playing with the big boys. It's not like the championship where you can go for it and if Nugent's going to get 20 goals or Jordan Rhodes is going to get 20 goals, those guys don't even get on the bench in the Premier League. Right? Walter's not a mug. There's not many managers who can come in and do a job, who will come in and do a job, who are at the level of their career, who will come in and do a job. Hull have found a diamond in the rough, it seems. Well done to them. But there ain't many of them. And I just, for me, it's just careful what you wish for. Because we're only like one bad manager, managerial appointment away from, you know, from playing Sunderland next season. Well, season, yes, up, season after. Right. Yes, Jordy, I'm <laughs> loving that passion. Come up for air, my boy. You, des- you deserve it. I, think, and I, I love that, and I love the passion. And I think what I will say categorically about Walter 
he's in this and he he cares about it and he's in here for the for the long haul. I think he's desperate to make a a good job of it. You can see by the way he's on the pitch, he's smacking the side of the of the dugout, and I think there's no two ways about it. Matsari wants to stay at this football club and he wants to be successful here. We talked and we mentioned Kike earlier. Perhaps in doubt with him, you know, with the break clause and all that sort of stuff. Easy for him to walk away. Did he want to go? How much was he in it? I think Matsari is definitely he's committed to this, and I think without any whatever you whatever you think of him, you can't level that he's not passionate. He doesn't. This doesn't mean a lot to him. So, oh, but Geordie, <laughs> lovely. I'm going to go to bed with your your words ringing in my ears, and I shall get up. I shall spring out of bed tomorrow and attack the day with a renewed vigour. Get in there. Burn. And the answer, Scott Loach. Burn. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the Rookery End. Will we have a renewed vigour next week away at Leicester? Do you know who we want to start the next game, Michael? Cabaselli. He did well, actually. He grew into the game. He, he uh, had a bit of a shaky start, but he um, took ages to get on the pitch again. Um, <laughs> but once he did get in, he grew into the game quite nicely, and I think he looked uh, he looked comfortable at, uh, at centre-back. I was keeping quite a close eye on Britos, actually, just uh, because I, I quite like him, but all too often the ball sort of slides off his foot, and he never looked 100% confident, really, for the last second half of the season, I don't think, Britos. But... Um, we could have done without it, but yeah, I think he did well. And because um, everyone was everyone was sort of saying, if you need to change the back, hey, we need to get Britos back. We need to get Britos back. But actually, Jason said to me um, uh, during the game, he says, "Yeah, Cabaselli. Why was no one saying get him in?" And actually, you see him, you go, "Yeah, you're not ready. You're not you're not, you're not brilliant." But actually, you just need to play a lot of football. We've seen what that did for Decore. Yeah. So that's that's why I think he should be the first na- first name. I'm going to go with it. Right. First name on the team sheet for La- Leicester. Late bid for uh, Player of the Season, John. Perhaps? <laughs> I think he's got quite enough <laughs> games under his belt. But that, that raises a question. So we've got these four games against these blue teams. What's the purpose of these games? Is it for Walter to have his swan song? And, and, and is, it, is it for us to try and get as many points as we can? Or is it to prepare for next season? What, you know, what do, you know, fans can feed back and say you know, on Twitter mm. or wherever, what do they want from the next four games? Do they want to see some of the young guys who've made it onto the bench get some, get some minutes? What's, what do we want from the next four games? Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. A very special podcast. Uh, we won't talk about the Leicester game. Uh, we'll be. Uh, we'll just have the two uh, long interviews we've done with Mike Walters uh, from the Mirror and Simon Burnton from the uh, Guardian. Uh, and we'll be back uh, when me, myself, Mike, DCW, Kieran, and an Olympic and World Cup gold medalist. Let's add that to it. Uh, gather for a trip to Stamford Bridge. Thank you very much for follow us on social media: uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at what the podcast uh, and uh, I want to uh, I, I think Geordie should do the come on yours absolutely <laughs> go on Geordie come on yours come on yours